Hey guys, welcome to my new podcast. I've decided to call it In Light of the Gospel. The Gospel is the central theme of the Bible, on my, in my understanding. The cross is God's crux. It is the highlight of history, it's the highlight of the scriptures, and it has become the highlight of my life. And so when I think of the Gospel and all the impact it's had on my life, I want to relate that thought to other people. Not only has it given me a passion and a drive to do ministry, to serve and to preach and to teach, but it has transformed the way that I think about marriage, the way that I think about raising my children, the way that I think about doing business and work and my hobbies. It doesn't matter which area of my life I think of, the cross and the gospel has transformed it to some degree and hopefully will continue to do so more and more as the years go by. So I want to use this podcast as an opportunity to talk to friends, uh, local people in the Elmer, Ontario area, or people associated with that, people that I know, or in the future, perhaps people that I think I could talk to that would bring a lot of benefit to your lives. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This first episode is with my best friend, Willie Simons, childhood best friend, have been known him since uh, since we were born, and I uh, hope you enjoy our talk. Well, there's a few of you that probably know I've been talking about starting a podcast for quite a while. I've been uh, thinking about how to include other people in the ministry, my online ministry that I've started up, and the focus being the cross, the focus being the gospel, and I thought there would be no better or more appropriate person to start off a conversation with than my <laughs> childhood best friend, Billy Simons. Um, my parents, her, our parents, literally have pictures of us in diapers together. Yep. So we spent the first 18, 19 years pretty much inseparable in the same class a couple times and uh, spent every weekend together more or less and uh, constantly in and out of each other's homes. There's an old, there's a song by uh, Ben Rector. It's called Old Friends. And in that song, he talks about how there's nothing quite like old friends. You know, you can have a lot of good friends and new friends and people that you meet along the way, but there's there's no one else that knows what kind of inline skates that I wore or, you know, no one else that knows what my parents' back porch looks like and his parents' back porch. Like, I was so comfortable at his house that I'd just walk in and grab food out of the fridge and freezer and we would just, <laughs> we were at home with each other, right? So we, the, the, gospel, the, the uh, title of my podcast that I've come up with is called In Light of the Gospel and I just want to cover a very, quite a broad range of different topics from um, family uh, relationships, marriage, church, theology, whatever it might be, but all of it in light of the gospel, obviously. So the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ, it uh, transformed our lives. And so we're just hoping to have an interesting conversation and let you guys join in. So anyway, Willie Simons, he's uh, a very notable author and <laughs> you got the wrong guy. <laughs> He's just, he's just a simple guy. He works a regular full-time job, but at the same time has been ministering for many years at the, the church at, in Strafferville, Strafferville EMC. He's helped minister there for quite a long time. When I was um, 19, I got married, and by that time, Willie had already become a Christian. And when he became a Christian, we kind of parted ways. So it's an interesting story, and hopefully it'll, uh, it'll work out well for this podcast. But thank you for coming. My pleasure. So, uh, what's your earliest memory? Uh, <laughs> of you? Yeah. Oh, man. I know what mine is. Tell Beating you in a race. Okay. On multiple occasions. I, I do remember I do remember that, that you beat me in, I think, yeah, multiple times, up until like grade four. I don't think it was even that. No. no. When you came to Summer's Corners in grade three, you were already beating me, and I was praying to God okay. that I'd be able to beat you just one more time. You actually prayed? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would, at the start line, I would get bow down, and I would just say, just hang on. Just wait. <laughs> and I would pray. Okay. Because I remember beating him, uh, and then when I was like nine or ten years old, I got kind of chubby, and Willie's uh, fast twitch muscles started really showing themselves. <laughs> yeah. And he oh, just, okay, so that's your first memory. I don't know. Yeah, I close. remember one time racing at your uh, at your place in Mount Salem there, and I think that was the first time I beat you. Interesting. I can't. I don't know that for sure. <laughs> you always have a better memory, but with that, so I'm not sure. But yes, obviously things go way back. Uh, little things, our parents, families always hanging out. Remember my dad and his dad 
doing the one arm baseball hit in the yeah, backyard with us that. and us playing with with them there that way and uh, sleepovers I remember yeah. having a sleepover at your house once mm -hmm. it was one of the first times that I was allowed to sleep over at his house and uh, at like 10 o'clock 10 30 maybe I called home and asked to be picked up you did yeah <laughs> oh, okay. I, I had this weird stomach ache I think I was just nervous and scared and whatever okay. else and see I don't remember that this is exactly what I thought would happen. You would have all these vivid memories, yeah. and I just don't remember. Uh, that's funny. Okay. So you're just like you were scared or what? Like, I think so. And then I would get this knot in my stomach, and then I would feel kind of sickly. And I, I had that happen quite a bit okay. during that age, and I just yeah. I just couldn't get comfortable. Okay. And I found some excuse that's to go interesting. home. But um, yeah. there's other memories, like uh, you, you when your mom worked in tobacco in the summer, she'd drop you off in the mornings. Yep. And you'd spend the whole yep. day, we'd play in the sandbox, we'd that. run around in the backyard, riding bikes yep. and whatever else. Yep. So obviously it goes way back, but for me, the interesting part is when we got into our teen years, um, there was five guys, and hopefully these guys will tune in, A. Berg, <laughs> who ministers with Willie at uh, Straffordville, and John Jansen, John Bamman, myself, and Willie. We would call ourselves the five guys, and we prided ourselves, at least I did, on staying out of trouble. We didn't yeah. get into drugs and alcohol and uh, smoking and partying and all that kind of stuff. And so I myself found a lot of comfort. I didn't even give it a whole lot of thought. I just assumed I'm a good person. I didn't even really go any further than that. Yeah, yeah I was I was the same way. There was definitely uh, a, a strong sense of self-righteousness there because I, it just seemed like, and I don't think I, I would have said it out loud, but inwardly, uh, just a sense of that I am indeed better than these other people that are doing these things. And I think kind of we all felt like that a little bit. Yeah. And we never got into the big party scene and all that. And so, but we had many acquaintances that were into that kind of stuff. They would and, sometimes leave the party scene to try to hang out with us for a while to see <laughs> yeah. if they could get away from yep. it. And so there was definitely a self-righteousness. I, I felt like, especially looking back, that I can see uh, in my mm -hmm. life anyways. Do you remember that time when our brothers, Pete Simons and my brother Pete Blatz, and they would get into a lot of trouble. They were into parties and drinking and whatever yes. else. And they, you know, they would try to tell us that you guys don't know what you're talking about yet. You know, you're schnodenes and all that kind of stuff. The one time I remember you and I both telling them, we're not going to put our parents through yes. what you guys have put yeah. them through. And they just kind of said, oh, you just wait and see, right? Yeah. But we were like, we were determined. We were going to be good. Yes. And um, I, I stayed that way. I went through the whole old colony system when I got uh, when I turned 19. I had found my wife. We got baptized, got married. I went through the whole catechism classes and all that kind of stuff. But shortly before that, um, I don't know how monumental it was for you, but for me, when John Bamman's brother stole that car and got into that crazy yeah. accident, he got killed. Two days later, three days later, his mom also yeah. died just out of a yeah. sudden heartbreak, heart failure, some yeah. kind of thing. And it obviously really, really shook up John. It was the closest thing to deep sorrow and um, loss that I had faced. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I remember uh, I was actually working with John at, uh, at a, like a Rose Nursery. Oh yeah, actually in Dorchester. I remember that. And so we, I think it was between grades ten and I uh, know eleven and twelve. I think it was, and uh, so I remember that quite vividly. And then like first, obviously the the. Uh, his brother dying was just overwhelming yeah like, big and then and then just a few days later his mom and i i didn't even know how to react like i i call i remember calling him and i just i was i had no words yeah and but that was that was a big deal for me as well and uh i think i don't know exactly in hindsight so i would have been what 17 at the time i think so somewhere around there yeah and i think in general like generally speaking i had always um had uh, just a sense of, or I would often think about death, oddly, oddly enough, and it would, I would often just be freaked out by the thought of death. And now here were these, you know, people close, the closest we the had closest seen. We had seen. Yeah. And so it was hard. Yeah, it was definitely a pivotal time for sure. Well, I know for myself, I, it obviously shook me very deeply and it was very bothersome. And I, I was with John a lot then. He would stay the night at our place and he really liked talking to my parents and we got along well. But it didn't shake me enough to make me consider where my faith was. I just still assumed that I was okay. You were okay, yeah. Like, I remember that time when we came out of the gym. Willie and I would work out of the gym and John Bamman would come too. There might have been someone else there too. Maybe Nick Jansen. I forget now. Yeah, but was, his brothers, Nick Jansen's brothers, Corny and Benji and Dave and all those guys, maybe Eddie and a few others, they met us on the street. They were very conservative, so somewhat legalistic, but they were 
very passionate about the gospel and they really wanted people to understand and know the truth, right? And so they they approached us, kind of bombarded us with tracks and sharing the gospel with us. And I remember John being kind of separated by them because they knew what John had just gone through. And I saw John in tears and I was trying to defend him. And For me, oh, yes. in my own mind, it was anybody who wasn't old colony was a false prophet and someone to be very wary of. And was I, st- I was still a colony at the time, too. I think we both yeah, were. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and John was obviously in a very, uh, you know, he was in a very vulnerable state. And so uh, I know that that was, well, that conversation, I think, was very pivotal for John. It was big time. Uh, yeah, so. Because it was sure. not long after that that he got saved. Yeah, and, and he got so. crazy, kind of radical, yeah, very extreme, and yelling <laughs> yeah. Jesus all the time and, but he, yeah. he finally found liberty and freedom after such sorrow, right? Yes, yeah, for sure. What age were you then when you finally understood? Because when when mm-hmm. Willie left the church, Old Colony, and John Bamman left and got kind of radical, and Abe Berg was uh, saved, and John Jansen, I, like, I just didn't want anything to do with them anymore. I, they were doing Bible studies and prayer meetings, and all that stuff made me very uncomfortable. I was a good Old Colony Mennonite, and, um, and I also had a girlfriend, so I spent a lot of time with Lisa. And then we just kind of, kind of drifted, drifted off, drifted right? apart for sure. Yeah, I think uh, so. I started working at my current workplace now, so, so twenty years later at, at Remtech, and uh, it was around because I was still going to Old Colony when I started at Remtech, and my my cousin Johnny worked there, and then uh, he was going to the Stratfordville Church, and he invited me to the youth group. Aberg was there already too. <clears throat> Aberg was there already, uh, but it was Johnny, my cousin, that invited me there, and so. I was quite hesitant as well, and I remember, I remember going there, and it was, you know, we're talking totally different format than I'm used to. I was used to, and uh, praying out loud, which for me was, I was very uncomfortable with that. Uh, but uh, it was around that time that I, it, I was like, you know, hearing the gospel in, in a language that I could understand yeah. for the first time, and uh, so that would have been, yeah, it would have been 2001. I think around there somewhere, and um, so I got saved in two thousand three. So that 2003? yeah, I think it was around two thousand one, and so uh, definitely it was around that time. Like I was hearing the gospel being preached, and just for the first time considering what Jesus actually did, like how Jesus fits into the picture, what the cross means, uh, and so I came to faith in Christ at two thousand. I think end of two thousand one, early two thousand two. Got baptized in 2002, and uh, hmm. and I remember, I remember. So you were still in the old colony at the time, and yeah, I remember very critical of everything. Very critical, and I, I do remember a few times visiting you, and uh, I think when you had maybe Hal, your first firstborn, and uh, and I was trying to like influence you in some way, when but I, I remember really struggling with it. I was, I just, <laughs> I really had a hard time with it. I, I don't think I went about it the right way. I don't even remember exactly how I went about it. Other than remembering being quite uncomfortable. I see. So, yeah. I like to make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It seems that's something I haven't lost. But, um, I mean, simple things like weddings. I-, I was old colony wedding. Ours was. So we didn't have officially best men. But at the same time, we did a, a little wedding celebration the day before our wedding. And I had Willie as my best man sign the papers and all that kind of stuff. I think he signed the papers anyway. Pretty sure. And then, um, we, like I said, we kind of drifted apart. But... Uh, when Willie had his wedding a couple years later, he still included me in the wedding and had me as his best man. It was quite the honor. And then we kind of just pretty much didn't really hang out for many, many years. And then Willie moved in around the corner here two years ago. Yeah, uh, year, year, year and a half. half. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now we've been finally yeah, reconnecting and having some really good conversations. <laughs> yes. But um, you were married in 2003? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember going uh, early on when Hallie was born. You were you came over with Tina. We have some pictures. I sent you some pictures. Yeah, the other I day. saw that. Yeah, we went to St. Jacob's the one day and hung yeah. out and had a good time there. But it was yeah. it was just awkward and it just never really clicked. Yeah, it didn't click. No, it wasn't until after Hallie was born, our firstborn, and she was born in two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. I was born married in two thousand two. Yeah. She was born <laughs> in two thousand three, and then I got saved at the very end of two thousand three. Um, realizing the weight and responsibility of raising a child really hit me finally like nothing else did the the death of my friend's brother and mom struck me deeply and made me think of death but it didn't really put me over the edge in a way where i felt like it's 
I need to worry about myself. I need to think about where I'm headed. And I read a book on child training and, you know, they talked about this book, talked about how this child is a blank slate and, um, you are the one that's going to teach this, this child how to, what to, to know about life and also who God is. And at the same time, there was an old colony split. Mr. Redekop left oh, the yes. old colony. Yes, that's right. And we went with him because we yeah. wanted to hear sermons in English. But Okay, I, see, I did not know yeah. that. Okay, so that's That was how... quite drastic for us. Oh, yeah. Because Mr. Redekop preached my wedding, and then he left like a year later, and okay. he wanted to preach in English. I want nothing to do with the gospel still. Yeah, yeah. But I realized I wanted to, to understand it still at the same time. Yeah. So um, I was working together with John Dyke, one of the pastors from our church. And uh, he was a born-again Christian, had been for a number of years, and he'd been really struggling with, with me too. I think often um, I would turn music on or podcast, or not podcast, um, t- uh, talk shows and stuff that he okay. really didn't want to listen to. Okay. And so he struggled turning them off because... He knew I'd be frustrated or whatever. So we went through quite a battle, but he was quite (laughs) patient with me, and he's a very mild-mannered person. And uh, eventually, as we went to that Redicop church, then I I heard a little bit of more truth from Redicop himself, but it wasn't that I really heard the gospel there. It was when people started passing around audios. Oh, Um, really? Yeah, there was a a sermon by Jerry Mahor and another one. Oh, I think I remember that. Salvation Crystal Clear. Yeah, Salvation Crystal Clear. And another one by a Kaufman, maybe. Okay. And... um, all of, I mean, there's a lot that came to, to build to this point. Our marriage got tough. You know, we had a baby now, and there's the reality of life started hitting. Our first year of marriage was like honeymoon, and after that, it was started getting really difficult. And uh, then there was all this, like, what do I do with my soul? What do I do about church? What, what do I really think about God, who He is? Yeah. Opened up to the spiritual realm, and I just didn't know what was what, right? Yeah. And then this guy talked about the suffering of Jesus, and he said that in the book of Isaiah, it says Jesus was marred more than any man. And he says, I picture Jesus looking more like hamburger meat by the time he was done than a human being. And then the next message, the one by Kaufman, I think it was, or Jerry Mahor, I can't remember. He said, it should have been you on the cross. You ought to have been there hanging, and he took your place. I was sitting in the truck next to John Dyke. I worked at Northrop at the time. He was driving. I was a passenger helping unload windows. So you're driving, listening to this. Yeah. Okay. And all of a sudden I'm turning away, trying to hide my eyes from him. And he realized it and he shut the tape off and, or the CD at the time. And, uh, and my first thought was, I need, I need Pete and Neil to know this. Or was it Pete and Joe? I forget. Two, two brothers came to mind. I don't know why those two. And I didn't realize I had gotten saved. Okay. But like a month later, I, I started sharing with people what had happened and who, what I was thinking about God. And I made the connection all of a sudden. I was sitting there in that truck. I didn't pray a long prayer. I didn't repent of all my sins. All I did was, like the book of Galatians says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently yeah. set forth, crucified among you. Yeah. I remember sitting there feeling like I could see Jesus. Yeah. He was hanging on that cross in my place. He was, you know, they ripped out his beard from his face and he was beaten to a bloody pulp and God put him there. You know, God saw this, the travail of his son's soul and he was satisfied and this joy and sorrow and everything kind of came and washing over me. And then... Okay, I did not know that story. I don't think you've ever shared that. Probably not. So that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, see, for me, it was a lot, uh, it was different because I remember... So I did, I, I, I left the old colony and started going to Straffordville Church and, uh, and I, I was hearing the gospel and, um, but I, I still had such a fear of, of hell, of punishment. And I, I didn't have that peace. And I remember, <clears throat> I remember going up to actually a number of altar calls. Oh, and really? uh, there was one time when the Satera twins were in Port Burwell. You were there? Yeah, I was there for one service. I remember and I went up to, the, to that altar call. And at one point in time, our church had some meetings and uh, evangelistic meetings. And I, I went up there and, and it didn't seem like this burden was lifting. Mm. And so I think uh, very much in line with what you were saying, uh, my problem was I think I was focusing on myself so much. You know, I... I was turning inward and I was not, uh, you know, I was not simply looking to Christ. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that's what exactly like you said, when you, when you were listening to the preaching of the gospel and, and Christ was being portrayed as crucified. Yeah. Uh, and, and your eyes at the time are, are just, are looking to Christ. And it's like, wow, like you did that. Yeah. And then, and then you realize you did that for me. 
And it's like you just, uh, you're floored. Like you're totally uh, humbled and, and you, you see uh, you see God's mercy and God's justice come together. Somehow you might not be able to explain it at the time. But I think for me, as I, as I began to understand that exact thing, that's when... So it was kind of more of a gradual. There wasn't like one moment where you were like, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't think I could point to it at a particular moment. Uh, but I remember I, like on a number of occasions, just uh, coming to the realization, look, uh, you know, this is the gospel, you know, Christ died for me. He rose again for me. Hmm. And so it's, uh, it's that depiction of Christ. And I feel like think about John chapter three, where, where, uh, you know, John says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the Israelites in the wilderness were, were looking to the serpent and that was, that was what saved them. Yeah. And uh, the simplicity of, of the gospel, I think for me was, was what really got me to, uh, just faith in Christ and accepting God's grace and, and the burdens lifted. Right. And so I, yeah, it's, it was different for me. I think I was always looking for this dramatic experience, especially since, uh, I didn't know your, your whole story, but I knew that it was quite a, like a more of a sudden situation. It was pretty drastic, me. right? Same with my brothers, uh, later on actually, which caused more struggle for me because I was like, wow, these people are having such a dramatic oh, conversion. Right? Cause they went from a major party scene. <clears throat> they did. Yeah. So, but I think, you know, anybody that, that comes to faith in Christ, uh, there, there needs to be uh, that recognition, that, that, that display of Christ on the cross for yeah. your sins. And that's the gospel. Yeah. And that, that your sins, that Christ took on your sins, and, uh, and through him, you're completely forgiven. I know for myself, I was always thinking, like, I got to deal with this sin. I would commit a sin, then I would yeah. confess it, repent, and ask mm-hmm. God for forgiveness. Then I would commit another one, or confess, repent, ask yeah. God to forgive. Oh, yeah. And then realizing that, okay, if my sin was placed on Jesus, and he was beaten, and he was crucified, and his blood was shed, and he was completely dead, like dead, 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 you know, and they placed him in the ground, and then he came back out without sin, then that means my sin are all gone. Yeah. Like, there's nothing left for me to do. I don't have to yeah. constantly, like, there was not one sin that was left out. There was nothing, like all of my sin was future when Jesus died. So he didn't commit, he didn't commit this great sacrifice just for the sins that I had committed before I got saved. Yeah. He committed, he committed this sacrifice. He did this sacrifice so that all sins forever would be absolved in his body, right? He took the, the, blunt, the brunt of the, the wrath of God. Once for all. Yeah. Yeah, I think Hebrews, you know, explains it quite clearly. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And I think for me it is like uh, the whole... I, I think the problem was when <clears throat> when I, like I said, I was turning in on myself just trying to have this, a certain type of yeah. experience. And I was not really looking to Christ. I did that after. Yeah, so for me, I, I think it was... That's why I, I say it, was, it kind of felt like a more gradual thing because I can't pinpoint exactly when yeah. that was. But I remember like just... Uh, thinking of uh, uh, reading Charles Spurgeon and about how uh, his conversion, he was, I think he was, it was a snowstorm and he was going to, uh, he was going to church, but he couldn't make it to his regular church that he went to. I'm probably to a brethren group or a Baptist. He ended up, at, I think it was a Methodist. Methodist, that's so, right. So, and he, and there was hardly anybody there and the guy was preaching on this text. And he was a boring preacher? Yeah, he was, there was nothing special, eloquent about the message and he had just, uh, lifted up Christ though, and he had talked about uh, uh, looking to Christ. Yeah. And and Charles Spurgeon said he looked like for the first time and he mm-hmm. looked and and it was just for me that's exactly what uh, what the problem was. I wasn't looking to Christ. I was looking to me. I was looking to. So I wanted. I remember even after I got baptized, I I felt this like man, you know, did I did I do it right? Yeah. Like, and so I actually got the tape that our church recorded of the service anxiously. I was like. What did I say in my testimony? Like, was it legit? And I went home and I, I put, I, I, I listened to the tape. I listened to my testimony, and it was like, uh, you know, is this? Did it, did I sound like I knew what I was talking about? Oh, really? And so it was all, but all very inward. You know, like that's not what a person does when they have looked to Christ. And that's right. Just have the burden lifted and. And have so have you ever Christ. wondered? Was I actually? You still wonder sometimes? Were you actually saved at that point? Or yeah, I, th- I mean, I've I've had times where I have wondered that, but but your your the the simplicity of your faith was that if anything, it was Jesus, right? Yeah, oh for sure, yeah, and that yeah, hundred percent. And so on that on that regards, I don't doubt mm-hmm. that. And so I, 
place. For, my, for myself, I obviously went through the whole baptism thing at Old Colony. Got, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the whole dunk, the pouring of water yep. on my head. Yep. And there was no thought whatsoever about the sacrifice of mm. Christ. It was purely just, I'm going to try to be a better person and I want to get married. But I wasn't, I made clear it wasn't about marriage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to be very clear. <laughs> I'm going to it was change. about your dedication That's and right. your commitment. Dedication. Yeah. But I remember something very clear stuck out in my mind too. We got together a couple times after I got saved and it was exciting to be around each other. John Bayman would come too and we had a good time. But I remember... Um, I very quickly got caught up in very legalistic doctrines. Um, some of the charity Christian movement from <clears throat> Pennsylvania, uh, very strong emphasis on being super dedicated and very spiritual. Uh, get up, you know, uh, Gerard de Toit. I didn't you know, know much. He I heard passed him. away recently. You know, he probably a very godly man. I don't know him personally, but he said things like this. He said, if you want to be a serious Christian, you got to read three to six chapters of the Old Testament a day and three to six chapters of the New Testament a day. <clears throat> Never less, often more. Okay. So you had actually like specific guidelines. Yeah. That's and then I heard Denny Kennison say, if you don't pray at least an hour a day, you're a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. I never. I never listened to those guys. Right? Zach Poon and I listened to. Yeah. Zach was a little more relaxed that yeah, way. Yeah, he'd be more. Mad. But then I also got involved with this. Um, it was Keith Daniels, not Gerard Detroit. Gerard Detroit oh, okay. was the one who kept talking about being filled with the second filling of the Holy Spirit. I see. So that's where I started getting super introspective, trying to examine my heart to see if I was holy enough or godly yeah. enough, or what thing do I need to let go to finally receive the second work of God's Spirit in yeah, my yeah. soul and, and get a deeper yeah. work. And then I remember talking to your brother Jake. I was attending church with his brother Jake now at the Vienna Fellowship. And uh, Willie said something to Jake that kind of started to gnaw at me. And I don't know if it had much effect on my he, next... Like, yeah. I said something? You, oh. asked, you asked your brother Jake, it almost seems like Dan has lost his original joy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I had now gotten so focused. Remember that, that Charles Spurgeon quote that I quote probably more than any of his other ones. It said, Charles Spurgeon said, I looked to Jesus and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked to the dove and it flew away. Okay. You know, I, so I, 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 to I, me, that's... <laughs> I got so excited about yeah. doing the doings of Christianity... <laughs> And all this peace was in my heart, and then I started looking to the doings, and then the peace was disappearing. And I was trying to get up at four in the morning and reading an hour, hour or two a day, and praying an hour a day. And I think it was obviously more obvious to the outside world than I thought, because I was I was doing good, right? I was a spiritual person. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can relate to that. So that's somewhat similar to my experience with, you know, trying to to have that level of dedication. For, I, I guess in your your case, it probably would have been stemming more from a sense of assurance. But for me, it was, in a way, I was still trying to, uh, like, in a sense, pat myself on the back or earn that badge of, you know, doing those things, whatever, a certain amount of Bible reading, a certain mm -hmm. amount of prayer. I was, oh, I was pretty good at it, so I prided yeah. myself on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's definitely opposite of, of what the motivating factor should be for somebody that's looking to Christ and somebody that's simply trusting in, in the gospel. Right. Yeah. I've actually had to try in the last 10 years to kind of balance that out because when I, when I finally got the message of the gospel delivered to me again, very clearly, not just for salvation, but the cross is for living. You know, we listened to Sin No More by Michael Pearl and this, and the Roman series and stuff like that. And it just totally shifted my thinking from doing, doing, doing to being complete in Christ. You know, you are crucified together with him and you're buried together with Christ and you are complete in Christ. And, you know, all things have passed away. All things have become new. And there was this totally new, refreshed joy and uh, such excitement that filled my soul at the time that I would be driving around forklift at North Star at the time and just squealing out of excitement. Because I, I was like, I'm <laughs> yeah. free. I'm actually, yeah, yeah. and I actually got this series of messages from you too. You did. You passed on some okay. no more to well, there you go. And it was yeah. very, very liberating. And at the same time, now I'm sometimes wondering, like, how, how do I stay dedicated to reading and fasting or praying or studying the yeah. Word? Because I'm not dependent upon those things for salvation or for peace or for security at all. Yeah. My only security, my only peace, my only joy comes from knowing what Christ has done for me. So now where does my responsibility and my uh, duty as a Bible teacher and all that come in? How do you stay focused on doing good works without yeah. making them your joy and peace? Yeah. And I think uh, I've been reading uh, Titus lately, and it's, it's amazing works, how many though. times it talks about good works, yeah. being zealous for good works, and uh, it talks about, in a negative way, being uh, uh, 
counterproductive or unproductive, uh, unfruitful in, in, in your knowledge of the Lord. So there is uh, definitely an emphasis on works, but he says there, he says that, uh, I think it's uh, in chapter 3, he says that it, it's the grace of God. So he That's talks right. about literally it's the grace of God, and all of this talk of, of works and everything should be flowing out of that and mm-hmm. not the other way around. And I think a lot of people get, they put the cart before that's the horse right, and that's yeah. the problem. And especially if you think about Romans, like you were talking about the Roman series. And, and I remember listening to that as well. And he got to um, chapter six, where it talks about, uh, you know, the fact that we've been crucified with Christ and, yeah. and buried with Christ. And uh, so he says there, uh, reckon yourselves dead uh, to sin. And he says that, uh, that in all the in all the the previous five chapters in Romans, there's no commands. Paul, there's no commands for us to do anything mm. until chapter six, and the only command there is to reckon, just like, count to just count yourself. And so I, it really hit me, you know, like uh, our our whole belief system, our whole theology, uh, our our life as a, as Christians, it, it should be stemming out of like like the name of your podcast, right? Um, in light of the gospel. In, in light of the gospel. And so it's not like we're, uh, like Paul is laying out uh, the truths of the gospel for, for five chapters, five, six chapters. And, and now he's saying, like, reckon this stuff so. Like, and then still the next couple chapters are just full of gospel. Yeah, exactly. And full of gospel. And then in, in chapter 12, he says, uh, in view yeah. of God's mercy. So now thinking of all this, you know, this awesome stuff that God did for you, now offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, I think the whole, the flow of things should be that way. And I think we often get it wrong and we, we try to earn it by starting off with the imperatives, the to-do list yeah, and, and then working our way in or sometimes even just throwing out all that. Well, that's just theology stuff. You know, I want to, I want to know how to live. I want to know what to do. Right. And Paul is, he's worked so hard at, at, you know, telling the believers, this is who you all already are in Christ. I find for myself when I'm trying to help somebody get free from a certain addiction or a certain sin or a bad habit, whatever it might be, I find the more I talk about the thing, the more struggle there is and more depressed people can get. Rather, I would rather lift up Jesus and have them so excited about what Christ has done that their problems and their issues kind of melt away. I, I remember seeing, kind of seeing God's perspective at least in my mind how much i could see i i mean i don't have a great grasp of overall theology and understanding of a whole human race and what god has done but seeing it from a bird's eye view and realizing how small a part i was but yet i was included all of a sudden it lifted me out of my problems right like i, I didn't need to be so focused on all these little yeah. things because i knew where i fit into god's program and yeah, plan exactly but now, i mean i wasn't sure if we would go here or not but now that we're on the topic of theology yeah. i remember you and I would just talk here and there maybe once every year, every couple of years kind of thing. And uh, you you spent quite a bit of time struggling over little little issues, whether it was election or yeah. predestination or um, uh, women in ministry yeah. or any, any yeah. little thing that, that really grips your mind yeah, and kind yeah. of consumes you. How do you, have you learned how to get past them or is it each time it's a whole new battle when you find some new issue yeah. that kind of gets your attention? That's a really good question. Uh, I think... I have had I have come to somewhat of a of a peace you could say there, and I think I'm still my my personality my my nature I guess you could say gravitates that way. So I whenever there's some kind of new thing that crosses my mind, right, I counter it in a book or in a in a podcast or even just reading the scriptures, or whatever. Then I want to fixate on that, mm-hmm. and so and I tend to do that still. But one I, thing I leave it aside too easily. <laughs> oh yeah. So I to to me it's it's something that it can be, uh, it, it can really take me away and, and, and kind of I get veered off into this direction, and um, one thing I think that has has brought probably the most peace to that whole thing when it comes to these peripheral doctrines like uh, like you mentioned, uh, is that the gospel still remains like. I think just being clear on the gospel. It's like an anchor. That kind of it's keeps a, Yeah, 100%. And mm. I, pre- I recently preached on uh, 1 Corinthians 15. The first few verses where Paul just lays out the gospel. That uh, Christ died uh, for our sins uh, in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised uh, in accordance Amen. with the scriptures. And so the gospel is something that happened in history. It is, it is something Amen. that my salvation is... I mean, that, that's the cause. That's 
the reason for this whole thing. And, and Paul says there, if, you know, if Christ is not raised, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then all of this is nothing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, just, just anchoring it in the gospel for me is such a good grounding. So even if you don't come to a really solid conclusion on something, yes. it doesn't cause as much turmoil no. as it used to because you're, no. you're secure in, in That's who right. you are. I mean, I, th- I think those things are still important. And yeah. I want to be, I want to know what I believe Diligent, in those things. Yeah. I want to know what the scripture says. Uh, but, you know, there's some things I'm still, I, I, I still am not really convinced in my mind. But I'm more okay with that now than I, than I was mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. So. Um, you know, one of the other things that often comes up for me is a bit of a topic shift here, I guess. But um, how, how does the gospel, since it affects your study, obviously, it, stu- it affects your peace with God. How does it affect your relationships? Obviously, first and foremost, with your wife, maybe with your kids, if you can think of any examples, and then with work. How, how does it motivate you to work or not work? Or does, it, does the gospel, the cross of Jesus, actually have an effect in everything? You know? Well, I definitely, I definitely believe it does. Uh, I think on many levels, like um, even just the knowledge of you know, Romans, uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and just the simple fact of, of God's love uh, that he would send his son, you know, while we we're enemies, you know, totally. And so that automatically changes your perspective of everybody else around mm-hmm. you, uh, no matter what their attitudes are and, and no matter what their, uh, yeah, where they're at, at the current time, even in their attitudes towards you. I mean, that right away is, if you're thinking about it properly, it changes your, cause you know what your attitude had been to God yeah, and how forgiving and <laughs> yeah. merciful he was. Yeah. And so anytime, you know, anytime that I have not, uh, reacted properly uh, in, in a gracious way to somebody, my wife or kids included, then I, I think it's a failure to recognize that that fact. Okay. And so for me, that's uh, it has huge implications for everything, uh, every area in our lives. Yeah. I often wonder about that because so many people. To me, it seems that the the gospel is for salvation. It is for being spiritual. It is for the church ministry. But it, it, I wonder how much effect does the cross have on your day-to-day experience here? Like, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to talk to some business owners and guys from church that, that clearly run good businesses and they treat their employees really well and they're very successful. And I'm thinking, is, is the cross involved in how you make your decisions and how you treat your employees? And I know you're in a managerial type of position at work. You have people under you and you have people over you and all that kind of stuff. Does it seem like it has... Is there something you can connect there? Is it the cross make its way into work? Oh, I, yeah, again, I think very, very much so. Like Just the relationship-wise or even motivation? For... I think, yeah, both, I think. Yeah, your relationships and uh, and just your own, uh, like the way that you are. Like how the gospel has affected you, it will automatically seep into everything else. And so, uh, like I said, any time that I have not... Uh, been focusing on the gospel it seems like i'm more uh, easily uh find myself in, in situations where i have not reacted in a proper way at work whatever it might be but if i if i have an understanding of god's grace for me it it inevitably will extend to the work relationships mm-hmm. and but i think there's um yeah there's huge implications there uh what i feel like some people want to do is they want to move away from the gospel onto Onto the onto Christian bigger, life, better, more spiritual. Yeah, things. like deeper things. You know, I, I want to be. Uh, I want to focus on the deeper Christian life, or so on, uh, something like that. And so, it, it they want to get to the quote unquote practical. When I, I think the gospel is the most practical thing Amen. of all. Like, and so yeah, I, it's huge. I mean, I don't know if I can think of specific examples right now off off the bat of where that would be. Uh, you know, where I could definitely uh, pinpoint. I, I think even like knowing that Jesus is Lord for me, this it drastically affected the way that I worked. I remember being at North Star and being one of those guys that would waste my time. I'd go back to the back corner to go get some windows or something and just kind of hang out there for a few minutes. Yeah. If I would have had a cell phone at the time, I'm sure I would have, you know, stood there and checked stuff while I was working and just wasted my hours away, knowing that I can do it later and all that. But then I heard passages like, you know, the, the directives, uh, that, like you said at the end of the yeah. epistles, that yeah. you should work as unto the Lord, not as yeah. unto man, not with men's uh, with eye service as men's pleasers, but working as if you're working for That's the true. Lord. And I, I feel like it drastically changed the way that I work. Yeah. I all of a sudden tried to give everything I could all the time. You know, I, I work here now from home. 
and I try to dedicate myself to the cause and to the work and I'm working as if my boss is uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to benefit him as much as possible I don't ever want to be um, a drain on his business right I want always just to add more profit and more valuable to value to his company right yeah. so that's maybe not directly cross related, but it does it does have a connection there. Christ oh, yeah, being Lord, right? yeah, and you, you see that. That's how Paul writes the letters. Like those those uh, imperatives, those commands are they're built on what he previously said throughout mm-hmm. the epistle, and it's almost always something relating to the cross or something relating to uh, who we are in in light of our union with Christ, and so it all stems from that. And it, you know, if we if we're trying to skip over that and just getting to the, you know, to-do list, then we are missing mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the very foundation. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you've answered quite a few of the thoughts and questions that I've already had, but one of the other ones that often comes to mind is, I don't know how, if you know Willie Simons at all, you know, and maybe he'll feel like I'm trying to flatter him here a little bit, but oh boy. <laughs> had things somewhere gone maybe just a slightly different way for Willie, I think Willie could have actually been a professional athlete. You've got the genetics. You've got. The, I mean, he's he can bench press three hundred and eighty pounds. Now it's out there in the world. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, like strong and fast and agile. But at the same time, I've seen you struggle with health issues. You had a knee problem, yeah, re surgery. Yeah. You had a thyroid, thyroid problem. Things, and, yeah. <laughs> um, how discouraging, or how how do you get out of discouragement when those kinds of things come? Yeah, we're getting a little bit older. I still still feels really weird to say that we're getting older. Because I still yeah. feel like we're still the teenagers. We're just right? a little bit older yeah. than that. Yeah. If I spend time with teenagers, then I very quickly realize that I'm not a teenager anymore. Yeah, but we're you know, on 40. <laughs> yeah, we're late 30s now. Yeah. And there's going to be little ailments and issues. So far, we're staying as healthy as can be, yeah. I hope. And Well, I mean, I, I'll i have to say that I don't think I could have been a professional athlete. Um, like I was, I was pretty good at track in high school, but uh, I have enough knowledge of track to know that you know, there's you couldn't have been a hundred meter sprinter because of the, most of them are black and they're really fast. <laughs> really a lot faster, yes. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, to be honest, it's, uh, it's track was kind of the only thing that I really excelled at. I I dabbled in baseball and stuff like that, but but it seemed to me, uh, and this is not any kind of false humility, but things that require skill and quick thinking Finesse. and stuff like that. That's, I was never very good at. I could have some good baseball games in, here and there, but but to, to get my mind wrapped around the game and all that, nah, I, I really struggled with that. So. so with the injury thing, I know when you when you first hurt your knee and you kind of had to stop running for a bit, that did affect you mentally yeah, and emotionally some too. It did, yeah. Because at the time I wanted to, uh, um, like I wanted to kind of still dabble in track just for fun of it more. And, yeah. And so it was discouraging. And the doctor, like I had the, the operation, the ACL operation, and it, it healed well. And But the doctor said, you know, hey, you have early signs of arthritis in your knee. Probably shouldn't run uh, regularly. And so it was discouraging. But I think he was talking more of like distance long distance running. running on a continuous, you know, logging in a lot of miles and stuff like that. Because right now, honestly, it's, it's been a number of years. And I, my knee feels fine. Like, but like, was I guess what I was trying to ask was, uh, did it actually feel like, I'm, like life is getting going? Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of depressed almost. Yeah, I don't there was gone through real depression. Yeah, no, not not in that sense. I don't think uh, there was a little bit of depression there. You know, as you get older and you just think about, uh, you, you think about life in a much different way. Mm-hmm. Like you you process things differently as you approach forty and. Uh, and so, um, I think it did, it did impact me, but again, I think, and I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, cheesy and I, I don't, I don't want to say it's always it's simple answers to everything, but I, again, I think that the gospel really changes what I was hoping you would go <laughs> so to. It's like, I, if, if our hope is truly in the gospel, it really does change everything. Yeah. And I, you know, if, if, if my life is shattered by something like that, then, uh, clearly I have not had my what hope, was your hope uh, yeah. place. So. I, I mean, I was discouraged, and uh, even with my thyroid thing, like, uh, it was discouraging as well. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's still, it's still the gospel. It's yeah. still, that is the hope. Uh, that is, yeah. I think it was probably Timothy Keller who talked about, uh, or maybe it might even have been Jordan Peterson. They often talk kind of similarly. He said something about how uh, this guy in a, in a concentration camp 
had had everything ripped away from him, right? Mm-hmm. I was it was Timothy Keller, and then he's like, he had it happen quickly, but we're all gonna have it happen. Yeah. You know, we're going to lose our ability and our agility. We're going to lose our health and we're going to lose family members. We're going to lose our wealth eventually. One way, you know, one day, even if we live to be older than everybody else that we know, we'll have lost everyone that we know. And on top of that, we'll have lost our abilities and our strength and everything's going to be gone. And what then, right? If if we're living for things in this world, we're going to be depressed. We're going to be discouraged and we're going to feel like everything is not worth it. But if the cross is real, if the gospel is true, if Jesus actually raised from the dead, then we can stay motivated and hopeful and purposeful yeah. right to the end, no matter Absolutely. how difficult things yep. become. I just I interviewed uh, so one of the uh, kind of EMC uh, theologians of the of the past, or he still is, but he's I think he's eighty seven years old now. I had interviewed him the other day, and uh, just on the phone, he lives in Manitoba, and so yeah, I think he's eighty seven, and still he still wants to write a book. Like mm. he he has written some books uh, in the past. And so he still has this goal of... What's his name again? Uh, Harvey Platt. Harvey Platt. And just very inspiring. And to see somebody run the race, you know, run, run the race all the way to the end mm-hmm. and still have, have goals and, and stuff that he wants to do for the Lord, and that's just uh, encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so I, I take that as a, a challenge and encouragement as well. Yeah. Will you uh, say that... I mean, you said the gospel kind of came to you a little bit slowly and you yeah. finally realized it. Would would the gospel be as precious or more precious today than it was when you first got saved? Oh, definitely more. <laughs> yeah, definitely more. You know, it's it's amazing that you cannot you cannot get enough of it. Like, Amen. it's not if you if you are at a place where it's like you know I need to move on to like like we talked about earlier to different things or deeper things or then you're totally missing the point. I, I think I genuinely think because there's so much there. Uh, there's so like uh, everything. You know, well, it's like Paul said. It, it's just if that is not real that's not true everything else is useless and so that's the thing that everything else stems off of and uh i I don't think there is enough uh i don't think you can mine the depths of the gospel and come to a place where it's like well i think i'm i I know all there is to know about the gospel (laughs) i don't think that's the thing do you you find that for yourself as well i mean the more i get to know it obviously you know, like 10 years ago when I really understood the gospel, not only that I'm, my sins are forgiven, but that I am one with Jesus and I'm, you know, <clears throat> buried and crucified, it became extremely precious and exciting. So there's been times when it, it means more to me than ever, but the, the deeper I study the word and the more I look at all the epistles of Paul, especially, it just becomes more and more precious and it hasn't lost its its flavor and its excitement, right? It's still, it's still in the forefront of my mind. It's in every prayer of mine as I give thanks, as I pray for my family or my children or pray for our meals. The gospel is just there. It's it's always, I can't pray without it anymore. I remember years and years ago when I first started understanding some of this stuff, uh, one of the, one of the guys I was listening to, he said, when he prayed, he would say things like this, Lord, we approach you on the ground of the shed blood of Jesus. Mm. And ever since then, I had this picture in my mind. I think my mind works very much with pictures. I, I pictured myself walking, and you know, there's this sticky, wet blood on the ground, and I'm realizing that, that that's what paved the way for me to have access. And now I have full access, but it came at a cost. It yes. came at a price. Yeah, so. That's right. I guess um, we're getting close to an hour, probably. I should, don't even know for sure what time we started. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. That's around an hour. One, I was going to ask one last little thing. I don't know where you'll go with it exactly, but okay. if you kind of prioritize your life, maybe top three, top five, wherever you feel like you want to yeah. stop, and maybe slight ex- explanation on those things. What's the most important things here in this life right now? Okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, it, actually, I'm taking a course right now. So it's, it's, I'm taking it at work. Uh, so it's kind of like a, it's a leadership course. And so uh, it's, not, uh, like it's not a theology course or anything like that. But it's a really good course, and I'm really appreciating it. And uh, one of the exercises in the course is to find out your, to work through and f- figure out your three core values. Oh, so what is go. your, kind of what's your, uh, well, exactly that, your, your core values for your life. And so you got to answer questions and narrow it down to like, uh, I think, 20 different things. And then from those 20, you narrow it down to three. It was, it was, uh, it was actually quite difficult. And as I was as I was doing that, it was hard to um, like as a Christian, your whole life is revolving around obviously Christ, and so uh, everything. I mean, all, all the all the things they had some suggestions there of, of what it might be for you, you know, and typical ones. 
And uh, the thing is, with when you're a Christian, it uh, Christ permeates in every area of your yeah. life. Uh, but I did, I did the, uh, I did the exercise and came out with uh, simply uh, three core values, which are uh, faith, family, and friends. So sounds a little cliche. But it, it does sound so a little cliche, true. and I just I'm like, you know what? But that I, the more I thought about it, well, that's 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 what it is for me. So I, so faith, obviously, that's you know number one, uh, Christ, and uh, and that entails that entails church, that in, entails ministry, and those kind of things. And family is just a huge blessing. I uh, married with three kids, and so I, uh, it is so important to me. It's it's obvious, <laughs> and so, and then friends, uh, friends are. I realize, especially as I'm getting older, it's so, you, you mentioned old friends uh, at the beginning, and uh, it's such a, friends are such a huge blessing to yeah. have. Like, and so those three things are, I think, things that I want to cultivate more in, in my life and, and just run the race. Uh, <laughs> obviously, everything's revolving around faith, but uh, how, it, how it will affect and how it will, uh, yeah, affect uh, family and, and friends. Mm-hmm. And so, and, um, in the faith category, like obviously we're not giving a one, two, three necessarily here, right? Because I know for me, when people ask me, I'll often say that God, and then my wife, and then my children, and then church and ministry. Yeah. But when you said faith, it kind of en- encompassed all of the different God, faith, yes. Bible type of things. But yeah. I guess we could go a lot further and ask, you know, like in your faith, what what do you prioritize? What do you what do you see for ministry in the future and all that? But I guess maybe that might be for another time. <laughs> well, uh, I you have study a lot. lot you read a lot. I enjoy reading. I enjoy studying. Um, so right now, I, like uh, I'm, I'm one of the ministers at, at the church. So I, I do I, I teach. I preach, and uh, I'm involved with the youth. And uh, I kind of see that continuing in that in that way. Maybe uh, you know I'm not sure when. Maybe more uh, more involved in the future. Uh, I'm not sure. Right now, it's uh, it's basically, you know, I have a full time job. I work basically like I work 11 hours a day at, at my job, and and so that's. I'm also, you know, I've been there for 20 years, so I have, uh, like you said, uh, somewhat of a managerial position there, and so I, I see that continuing. It's it's a very much a blessing in my life too, is is, is my work, and uh, so right now there's nothing in the works that I can think of that would be any nothing big, that's going to change big changes. Uh, but you'll keep studying and preaching and yep. ministering and That's probably some evangelism here yeah. and there. And that would that. be my, my desire, yes. Right on. Yeah. Well, where do you wrap these things up? How do you stop? <laughs> we Obviously, yeah. we're going to continue our conversation and we could just keep going. So many times we've had a really good conversation without a camera on and I've thought, man, if we could have just taped that. you know, Maybe we didn't come to some grand revelations or anything, but it was really edifying for me yeah. to consider these things and bounce yeah. them off each other. So Absolutely. hopefully you guys have found the same. Willie's not a big social media guy, or else I'd say go follow his <laughs> ministry and check out his channel and all that, but he doesn't have that. So, But the next time you see him, say, hey, I will listen to your interview, and I was really blessed and all that good stuff. So, All right. All right. Appreciate Sounds it. Good.